Okay. And welcome to week nine of using databases in education. As you'll notice, that last, last week we didn't have anything on there because that was our wonderful midterm. And I'm happy to tell you all that I will be submitting or returning your, your midterms to you this evening. And I'll be sending yours out to, your, to you, Sandra, tomorrow. And um, you'll be able to get them. You'll also, and you're in charge of making sure that we, I return them at the end of the evening, okay? Got it, okay? And then as far as uh, discussing Unit F. Now, Sandra was the only one who told me, reminded me that there wasn't any assignment on there. And she contacted me, was that Tuesday, Sandra? Okay, that was Tuesday. So that means that I'm beginning to learn something about study habits in this class. And that is I don't have to worry about getting anything up till Wednesday because that's when you guys start looking at it, right? That sounds good. Okay. <laughs> well, that, that was my, no, it's not your fault. I mean, I, I should have had that. And thank you very much for, for telling me about that, Sandra. Um, I have written it up. And I've set it up so that uh, it's not due until tomorrow. Did you guys get a chance to do F? You did F? Did you get F done? Great. Did you get a chance, Sandra? Okay, well, just mail it to me when you have it, okay? I, I give the, the people out in the hinterlands a, a little extra time just because of mail and things like that. And then um, the next thing is that we're going to have... <laughs> We're going to have the expanded personal database. I don't have that posted yet, but that's something where you're going to take the database that you began and you are going to turn that into a functional relational database. Aren't you just looking forward to that? That's exciting, isn't it? And so what I'm going to need, uh, I'm going to have a, a similar structure where I'm going to ask you to talk about, um, answer some questions and things like that. This is due in two weeks. Next week, when you come in, I, I'm going to have this posted, but next week when you come in, I will have the same sorts of questions that will be on the assignment page, and I want you to have thought about them and answered them, and we'll discuss them next week, okay? And what I'd like to do right now is uh, talk about what, what are you thinking about with that project. Now, I know this isn't the first time that you, knew, you found out that you're going to be turning this into a relational database. What... What additional tables and things like that are you planning to use? Callie, can you tell us about your coffee shop? Well, the first thing I did was more of like inventory. And so, hold on. Actually, we were able to put it right about here, right? I think so, yeah. Can you hear that, Sandra? Yes, I can hear. Good, okay. okay. So the first thing I did was inventory for my mom's coffee shop. And then what I was thinking is having a separate uh, database that had like where the inventory was coming Remember from. Remember their tables. The whole thing's a database. Me, tables. I'm sorry. I'm That'll improperly get you using yes, the they're vocabulary. Not synonymous. <laughs> um, but the table, another table of like different suppliers of where we get um, the inventory from. And then I, my problem is figuring out where my third table would come from. And we've kind of been tossing around different ideas, but I'm still unsure. And so luckily, again, this weekend, I'll be going home. Uh -huh. And so I will have time to discuss more in depth with my mother on what to give me some better ideas than what I got from her the first time. Well, you so, and I were talking about a few, weren't we? Well, we were trying to figure out, because we thought of, like, what customers was one, but that would be really hard to do unless I Well, unless it was major customers. 
Yeah. Major like companies that with well, a company. Didn't I say? Huh? Because we have. I was figuring, found out that we've had a lot of regulars that come in and who we have an office in the back. Yeah. Um, that we rent out. Really? So they've had a lot of regulars come in to rent space out from the shop. So that could be one, I guess. There you go. Okay. Yeah. So what you want to, but remember, it needs to be something that you will hook in with at least know, one other ta uh, one other table. The problem. If you. You have inventory and what's the other You one? have the inventory. And then like suppliers, because we suppliers. get from Cisco, and then we have a lady who bakes for us, and then. Could you make another table of recipes? We were thinking about recipes. Because my really problem that I started when really I started hard. doing inventory was I just took like our lunch menu type stuff. And I didn't even add in like coffee because a coffee, there's so many mixed products that go into it, and I there'd just be so much so that I didn't want to have to deal with it for this, for right now. But I just made it easier because you have you know the syrup, the type of coffee, the ground, you know, and then plus we make smoothies, and that's different fruits that come. Does she have? Um, does she have any customers that you know? Every Friday they call down and they get. Uh, what, yeah. you, you don't. You don't. You're not like a she deli, are you? No, because okay. there's a lot of places around it. But she has. I guess there. There's been a few conferences that come through, and like one, I know that they asked for like 50 box lunches that they put like the sandwich together. They had chips, and then they had a soda and like a dessert, like cookie or brownie, put in there. And they had to make like 55 of those. And I guess she was telling me that day, she ended up having to make 80 of them because they over too many people came. And so Good. she's had to do that. But well, it's not like a whole lot. But I mean. But you know, even if it, remember, you're, you're planning for, for expansion. Mm -hmm. So even if you were talking about, you know, something that has five records in it, if you can figure out how it would fit in with the rest of it, then you. Because if I did like having, if groups come in and want to like run out space and want to have a lunch order for mm -hmm. like to come in during then, the food can tie into the inventory because it's what goes into a box lunch, right. what she puts in it, and therefore you have where the food comes from, which would be in the suppliers. So you'd have the calculations in there. Yeah, and so you could put, okay, so if you have a box lunch, then that would, it might be, you know, a unit price for that versus individually. Okay. Well, that, that sounds pretty interesting. Sounds like you've got a little work to do by next week because yes. you've got two weeks to get this done. Yes. And so go down and, and it's too bad. We I really wish that you, either we were down there or we had a field trip going down there <laughs> so we could go to her coffee shop and help support her. Yes. But well, she just had back surgery. She's, she's not even supposed to be there. Oh, my gosh. So. Back surgery. I know about that. Yeah. That's not good stuff. <laughs> well, she doesn't stay still. So. Okay. Okay, Rob, how, how's, how's your... Um, project going we honestly haven't touched it since we turned it in okay but, uh, um, but I got uh, I had four tables already yeah so you had I a lot got, done so I had an activity table a contact table uh, medical concern table and then the big one the primary table of student info right so all I'm working on now is just figuring out how I'm going to connect student info to the uh, to the activities to the contacts so um, I think I'm in pretty good shape I just had a Okay. My goal is to have, it's really kind of funny because uh, the people that are on the committee for organization, uh, organizing this wants to meet in two weeks anyway. And so hopefully and you'll I'll have it all done. Uh, hopefully I'll have it all done because uh, their jobs are the, all the contacts and getting all the people and mm -hmm. 
preserving different parts of the building. So I'm just going to say, hey, I'll do all the computer stuff if you just give me the names and everything. So and you've already got the students already entered, don't you? Yeah, and I never even typed those in. Those are all like imported. You just download them. Oh, so. isn't it great when things just come together? Well, we'll see. We'll see. I still have the, the still original problems of how I'm going to have the kids enter them. And the more I think about it, I think I'm just going to, they're going to make a hard copy. And, and they fill me, it out. They fill it out and give it to me and I enter it. It's still going to be a lot faster than using Excels, but I'm just afraid they'll, they'll mess it up. Okay. But well, and... Um, Maybe you, next year I can. Well, work you on you it. might be able to put this together. You know, you might be able to set it up so it's on the web, and you could have a pilot test. You could ask thirty kids just I to could do have that. I my, my homeroom do it. You could have your homeroom do that. They could just do it like a pilot test and see how that goes. Because you may find, you know, we keep looking on the negative side of people, and <laughs> often it, it turns out that they do the yeah. positive thing. I guess. I mean, yeah. Especially if I could take those thirty kids and make them be my thirty records for the next project. Have it all set up for them. I run it and see if they're able to do it. That could be cool. That could be cool. Okay. Okay, Yami. Can you move that over there, please? Uh, just, just put on, on the computer. I have also three tables in my project. The first one is uh, course, and the second one is language laboratory. The third one is teacher. So dealing with the uh, course, I would like to know about uh, uh, how many students in certain level and who will be taught in the first level, second level, and the advanced level. Uh, I want to know also about the amount of the students and uh, also the kind of the course that offer in this lab. The second table is uh, about language laboratory itself. Mm -hmm. And I would like to know about the capacity of the room and the facility used in this lab, uh -huh. including about the uh, technician and uh, about the uh, subject also, I include in this uh, in this lab as a table. And the last one is uh, teacher table. So dealing with this teacher table, I would like to know about the background knowledge of the teacher. So if uh, they would like to teach grammar, for example. What is the background knowledge? Mm -hmm. Do they have a, a knowledge, um, sufficient knowledge in grammar or in uh, speaking or writing, listening? So here I put some information about the uh, how we contact the teacher also. So it means that uh, where the teacher, uh, what is the teacher room or telephone number and building. So yeah, I'm working with that. So I, th I think I would like to add until 50 records or more. Okay. Well, I think you only need to have 30 uh, would, would probably be, you know, your, well, actually, 
you've got 25 records already in, in, in your, your major database, or your major table. And uh, <laughs> I better watch it because I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to say it wrong. You have 25 records already in, in, in your major table. And so as far as you, you may have situations where you're only going to have a table that has five. And so we won't put any kind of, of limit on that. And it, thank you for allowing me to think this out as we go through it, since this is the first time we've gone through this one, and I'm, I'm kind of picking things up as we go along. Okay, well, it looks like things... Um, your turn, Sandy. What would you like to tell us about yours? The problem, uh, how, what, what is the linking field that you're going to have between those tables? When, when you give gifts, do you ever give the same gift to multiple people? No. Okay. I, well, I, I was just thinking, you know, I, I was thinking that maybe what you could do is something that has to do with um, if you had one table that dealt with gifts that you've given people. And the interesting thing is that what you could do is you could put that into the gift one and then the following year when you're thinking about what you want to get them you already have a list of gifts and you may even be, have a, a field in there saying who liked this one <laughs> or you might have a field on because see the, the three tables you're talking about look as though or I mean they sound to me as though they could all have the same fields you think that's true so what we need to do is we need to have a table that isn't going to have the same fields, that would have fields that would be linked. What do you think about that idea with the Christmas present? Add what? No problem whatsoever. Remember, this is a generative process, and what's going to happen is as you, as you build the ideas and things like that, just modify everything you want. Yeah, hopefully, I'm, it looks like everyone's going to keep with the, the uh, database that they had to begin with, and that's the intention. But, of course, if you find that you're between a rock and a hard place and there's no way it's going to work, then what you can do is you can always start a whole new one if you want, but maybe... Maybe you can think of, I'm going to ask for three tables. And so maybe we can find something else that might fit. Anybody here have any ideas? To go, you've got a Christmas list. You might have one for one table is, you know, who it is and whether they received anything back and all that. If she got a card from them, or if she sent a card for them on each one of them, 
how would that not link them together? Or is it just because it's just not a Well, but, but the thing is that all, all of those are going to look the same. True. If I'm family or if I'm friend, I'm probably going to have almost all the same fields. Name, address. Name, address, you know, when, when I got them. Hey, Sandy, do you buy them all personally or do you buy... I'm just thinking that maybe you could make a, a table that you could buy it all online and make an info of online gifts. I, I don't know. I'm just trying to help. Well, that's the only time. Hey, I've got an idea. And I think this is something that Callie talked about when we sent you this stuff uh, through the digital file. And I think it, Callie's sitting here just squirming, saying, what was it I said? Are there pla special places where you shop? Well, the, the main, I mean, we have both the practical and the theoretical reason as to why we do this. The practical reason is that you're making a relational database, and that's the assignment. And relational, I mean, to be real practical, that's the assignment. So you need to create a relational database. And the concept of a relational database is that it's going to have different fields and different um, types of data or types of records in it as you've read and, and, and done with, with access, right? Okay, and so what we need to do is we need to have to identify three tables that would fit. And we may be stretching, I mean, we may be stretching, maybe you could get by with two, maybe you could probably get by with one. But as I said, it, uh, from a practical standpoint, it's part of the assignment to make sure you have a relational database. And what you might do is you might make it so that um, if you have a special place, different places that you like to shop, you could have one table that's all about where you get your gifts. Uh-huh. The connection was the employee and because you, you related then the donations or maybe the connection was the donation because the donation went to the hospital, the donation came back to the employee. Is that what you're saying then? Right, and but when you when when you go to the hospital it had all the information about how to get to the ho or it had the address and stuff like that about the hospital, right? So that database was specifically about hospitals. Uh -huh. And then I need something that goes more into depth into the people on that table. Rather 
than more people. I need something more involved in the people that are already there. She could have one. Something like that. Something like that. Okay, what? I'll come up with something. Okay. Uh, Rob has an idea. Uh, Rob has an idea. You know, like, you have, like, one for contact information, one for Christmas-specific information, and then one for shopping information, because then your common link would be the, the gift and the person, because a person would, would have to have a gift, and that gift would have to come from somewhere. And, and all, the t all the tables don't have to be linked. You could make it so that you have, well, think about it. You could make it so that you have your major um, list of all your people, whether they're family or friends or whatever. Then on that, you keep track of what gifts you give them on a yearly basis. Now, that would link you over to the gift um, table. And then there, if you had a, another table that had to do with where you purchase things, it actually is only going to go to the gift one. So the links that you're going to find is that you would have the person's name, you'd have the gift in the proper field, and that field would go over to the table, and in those records, the name of the gift is actually the major field. And then the connection between the field, or the, the gift, and the place where you purchase it is going to be a connection. Does that make sense? Good. Okay. Okay, so we've, we've gotten to that part. Everybody's had a chance to talk about that. A couple things else I want to talk about. Number one, I sent everybody an email about scrubbing data for D3M. This is another term for DDDM, or Data Driven Decision Maker, D cubed M. And I sent you an email about where you can go to the website, uh, a website, thejournal.com, to, to read this. We're actually, we'll, we may, we'll talk about it next week, briefly. And then what I've been doing, remember I've been telling you about trying to find places where, or, or make it so articles can be digitized and you can listen to them and anybody here exercise? Anybody here exercise? Any ex okay and have you got an mp3 player? I, I'm actually using mine a lot I'm finding some really good podcasts in fact I found a podcast from Minnesota and guess what in the midst of the podcast you'll never guess who they were talking about they were talking about Dr. Victoria Bernhardt and it's a funny thing because this guy in the middle of the podcast started talking about the multiple measures of data. And he actually uses them in a school district. So there's application, folks. And I'll be making that available to you as well. It's a great podcast. It's about an hour. In fact, I'm finding that I'm walking to and from school more because then I've got the time. <laughs> I mean, it takes 20 minutes to get here. Otherwise, if I ride my bike, I'm here in five minutes and it's no big thing. But another thing is that apparently we're, we're breaking ground because I contacted technology and learning, because remember we used some of their, their articles, and asked them about what the copyright was and if there was permission for, for digitizing those. And they said, we'd never thought about this. And what they did is they said, well, I'll tell you what. We're going to give you 
since you're using it for educational purposes, as far as a, um, what do you call it? A, uh, oh, what's it called? Free use, or, well, yeah, we, 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 as, as educators, we have the opportunity to use printed materials and we don't have to pay for them. You know, there, there, there are a lot of limits and things like that. But they said that, you know, if it were printed, you could make copies for the class. Only once, but you could make copies for the class and hand it to them. Uh, as long as you keep it um, to yourself, in other words, just your students get it, access to it, we're going give to um, give you permission to, to digitize it. As long as, number one, that you cite us, and number two, that you send us a copy of the file so we can see what it is, because maybe we'll want to do this on our website. And so it sounds like a pretty good, you know, what we're doing is we're, we're forging ahead. We're pioneering into new ways to deliver education. Isn't that exciting? I, I, just, I just have problems bridling in my enthusiasm. Okay. And I think that's pretty much everything I wanted to cover up to this point. Any questions? No questions? Any questions, Sandy? I'm sorry, hang on just a moment. What? Well, we're going to discuss it, but it's nothing where we're going to be doing, it's nothing formal. I just, it just happened to come up, and I thought you guys might enjoy uh, reading it and talking about it. Like I said, it'd be 10 minutes, and we're just, we're just going to discuss what it means. And what, what, what is clean data, and what's that all about? Okay. Well, what, I, what we're at right now, um, did everybody get a chance to read Chapter 3? Chapter 3 is a really short one, but it's the beginning of the whole investigation process that we're going to be doing. And I'm, Sandy, I'm going to turn you down a little bit so I don't have a whole lot of feedback. So if you need to talk, if you want to say something or ask something, scream a little bit louder than usual, okay? okay. Thank you. Are you are you getting any kind of feedback? Okay, well I'm I'm playing it, turning it down just a little bit. And oh, and what we what we want to do is, at the end of the evening, I think we'll be done before nine o'clock. We're we're thinking about playing around with Skype here, to see if there's some way that we could Skype everybody so that we'd all be talking into microphones and headphones. Oh, you're, but you're going to leave in an hour. That's okay. But no, it's not okay. I mean, we're going to miss you immensely, but, you know, it, it's just... Oh, one other thing. That was something else. Dr. Henning, John Henning. You may know Dr. John Henning. He's here in educational psychology. And he wrote an art. He is the person, um, week 13 and 14, I think, is when we're going to be working on a project where he's, going to, he's, ask, he's giving us what he wants, and we have to create a database for him. And it may or may not be a relational database. The whole idea is that we're going to be putting this together based upon real life specifics. And he has an article. It's called um, Teacher Leaders at Work Analyzing Standardized Achievement Data to Improve Instruction. And this is a, an article that I'll be sending out to you. You won't have to read it for a couple weeks. But, and I'm, ask, I'm also going to ask him if, if I can digitize it and then, uh, then you can listen to it while you're working out, see? And then 
um, I'll be sending that out, but this is something he wants us to see before he comes in. He's going to come in one evening and talk to us about what he wants, okay? And so that'll be coming up. Well, I'll tell you what, let's get started. Uh, by the way, Sandy, I have this presentation online. And if you go to the presentations section, uh, actually, it's, it's not really, doesn't look like this. What it is, is it's a, um, the type where it has six screens to a page. But so what we're going to talk about is the idea of getting started on data analysis. And, and really what we're doing when you go out and you take all that information is you're really putting together a school portfolio. And the question is, what is in it? And we talk about, uh, and I have to tell you ahead of time that, that this is actually a presentation that was done by um, Dr. Barn Bernhardt, and I'm going to be building upon it. But what she's talking about is that when we talk about a school portfolio, this is the, the whole system where it's the, it provides the basis for a comprehensive framework for school-wide improvement. Now, we know that when we talk about school-wide improvement, we have to know what we have to improve. We don't want to get stuck in that level one stuff, right? And so what we want to do is we want to um, create a portfolio that is a collection of information, an organized collection of information. And it's a way in which we can document the elements, you know, the things that we have, and, and actually come around with a, a type of self-assessment tool that can, <laughs> that can help us out. And there, when you start out, you establish one plan that's aligned to the mission and vision. In other words, what it is, uh, schools can create one vision that's shared, and based upon that vision, they can create a plan to implement the vision. And then we talk about providing common understanding of the complexities of a school. There's a lot of things you need, you need to know about, a lot of things that you need to be able to um, understand. And this portfolio helps put them down in, a, in an observable form so you can address that. And then we talk about providing, it provides the context and the data for decision making. Well, as we said, when, when you organize this material and you look for inter interconnections and things like that, then what this does is it gives the staff an opportunity to, to make this document available for people to, to review and, and to do things with. And finally, we talk about assessing and uh, improving all aspects of the organization. The school portfolio helps schools see the relationship and alignment of all the parts of their learning system, which is really an important thing to, to, to consider. Now. Here's the uses. We talk about accountability. Students uh, and schools need to be accountable. And what she talks about is that the, one of the definitions of accountability is to be able to explain. Accountability doesn't necessarily mean that I'm going to be able to hold you accountable and, and, and fire you because you did a lousy job. Accountability means that if I ask you, why does this happen this way, then the answer is something that you actually have in some form of, of real data or data, real data that you can, you can use. We talk about communication. It pro when you put things together in a portfolio, it's a communication. Glad to see you're eating again. <laughs> That's OK, Yami. In, in, in here, when, when you've been fasting all day, it's OK for you to eat. Just make sure you keep it away from the keyboard, OK? We won't tell anybody, and the door is closed. Of course, the whole world knows about it because this is going online, but that's how it goes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's got an echo, an echo, an echo, oh, an echo. I was hoping it wasn't 
So we talk about the communication now. The, and another thing is that once you put this stuff down is you end up reflecting on progress and, and the purpose. That's when we talk about over time. Longitudinal, longitudinal at it, at, longitudinate, there we go. When you longitudinate, as, as one of our readings said, uh, the idea of looking at a portfolio, creating the portfolio one year is nice, but then as you continue with it, then what it does, it makes you reflect and, and build upon that. And then we talk about troubleshooting continuous improvement effort. Now, you know, uh, when we talk about level two assessment and that sort of thing, where they, they, they make these changes, but the thing is it doesn't become institutionalized because they're not actually documenting it to a point where they can, they can actually go through and figure out what's happening on a daily, uh, on, a, on a continuous basis. We can also use this for grant applications. Have any of you ever applied for a grant? And you applied for a grant, Rob, and, and how'd you do? Did you get it? No, we didn't get it. You didn't get it. What were you trying to do? Uh, I applied for a grant for Hewlett Packard. Hewlett Packard, and, and that was going to be for computers, I'll bet. Yeah, it was for uh, projector and Chernobyl computers. Oh, geez. And what, what was the project that you wanted it to accomplish? Um, developing e-portfolios for students. Oh, geez. And they didn't see that they needed to do that, huh? Mm, I kind of picked the wrong market. This one was pretty saturated with applicants. Okay. <laughs> so, Sandy, have you ever applied for a grant? Have you ever applied for a grant? I, I was part of a team that applied for a grant. This was several years ago. For computer programming. Oh, computer programming. Yeah. And okay, and did you get it? Okay, and did you get it? Did not get it. I'm sorry to hear that. We did. I did get one. Um, I applied, also applied for an after-school grant from the federal government. Uh-huh. Um, for an after-school program? Yeah, in down in Kansas City. And we, we got it, and then we renewed for it, and we got it again. So a half a million bucks. Wow. So, I was on a group of about 12 people. Okay, well, I have you have, has anyone here ever heard of the Star School grants? Star School grants are grants that are actually federal grants and there is a lot of good money in it. One of the best things about the Star School grants is that they have teachers read them and professors and I was, had the opportunity to go down and read Star School grants. And I'm here to tell you, if you want to get grants, the best thing to do is go out and read them. Because you could really see the difference. You could see the ones where, um, you know, th there, there were some where they basically said, well, this would be a really good idea if we did this, uh, this thing with these computers. And other ones had all the data. They had data saying this is this is our reading level, and we last year or we're we've done some research and found that other schools um, saw this kind of improvement using a similar program. What we want to do is implement it here, and this is the type of evaluation we're going to use. In other words, they were using data-driven decision making to um, justify the need for their money. And so I've got to tell you that when it comes to grants, if you have something set up and you're able to, you, you've developed a school portfolio where you can talk about who you are and what you want to do, then that's definitely one that's going to be beneficial for you. Accreditation. I'm, I'm a member of NK, which is the National Council for the Accreditation of Teacher Education. And a couple of times a year, um, actually I'm just doing about once a year now, uh, I go to other universities and help uh, evaluate what they have there and they go through accreditation. I was part of the accreditation team uh, here last year when they came in. And I got to tell you, it's a lot of work. But it, it's all about bringing all this data together and proving who you are. 
We talk about consolidated reviews and other requirements. Well, you know, when, they, when you're re being reviewed for uh, a lot of different things, such as other schools looking at what you're doing, and, and if you're talking about your board of, you know, your board of trustees, uh, school board uh, looking at it, that's important. And public relations, whenever you have good things to say or even bad things to say, if you can talk about this is what we have and this is what we're doing to improve it, that's always good public relations. And one of the things that I, I guess it was on a, a podcast, uh, they were talking about that the, the literature shows that schools that share everything are the ones that do better as far as the improvement. Because what they're doing is they, they want to, they, they get a lot of, or, and as far as getting community support, as long as they're being informed, that's what they like. Peter Senge, who is taught, who created the, um, the book on the living corporation, uh, he talks about today's problems become yesterday's solutions. What does that mean? Anybody have any idea? Today's problems become yesterday's solutions. Okay, um, but then we, we're talking about yesterday's solutions, I mean, though. Whatever, when you solve something, other things arise, other, other things come up. Right, it's, it's a little, it seems a little backwards, doesn't it? But you're right. Yesterday I came up and I saw, I came up with my ideas, and, and based upon all the, this data, I came up with a solution, and now what that's done is that's presented new problems. So it's a never-ending process. And when we talk about information analysis and, and these are the different points that this was actually listed in your book. You talk about information analysis, student achievement, quality planning, professional development, leadership, partnership development, and continuous improvement and evaluation. Um, this is uh, what I'd like to do is just kind of review each of these. And when we talk about information analysis, we talk about something that it describes the clients. In other words, who are your students? And this could be K through 20, actually. Um, when you have an information analysis, you're replacing the hunches and hypotheses of facts, in other words, or, or with facts. In other words, what you're doing is you're analyzing the information that you, you've been able to, to identify and actually say, well, it's not what you thought, it's what it is. Um, yeah, with this, you can identify the root causes, and the, the key is that you can do multiple measures as to what's going to be done. Now, here's those multiple measures. Have, have you all memorized them by now? I must tell you that you did very well on, on addressing this on the midterm. And uh, we talk about demographics, student learning, perceptions, and school process. These are the important things that we want to pay attention to because these are the ones that are going to give us uh, information that we'll be able to use at another time. And then uh, perceptions are, are one of the, the categories of data that tell you about the, the climate. We've already looked at, at this thing here that talks about the, the deeper analysis of perceptions. And this, actually, I don't think we've used this one before. The Forest Lane total uh, school responses. You'll notice that here it says, I, I, I don't have a whole lot of choices of what I learned, but oh, yeah, this is one we used before. You notice that everything actually is between agree and, or, or neutral and strongly agree. We don't see anything down here on the disagree. And so it, it seems like it's a pretty positive environment. Carl Glickman says, to fully educate a student, teachers need to do their best during their temporary time together. 
and to care just as much about the educational experiences that the student had before coming and experiences the student will have after leaving. To believe that the job of a classroom teacher is to operate slowly in the, solely in the present with his or her immediate charge is to deny a school the opportunity to provide a cumulative, purposeful effect. Remember one of the readings they were talking about third, fourth, and fifth grade teachers getting together and talking about their students? And it was a continuous process? What, do you remember why they wanted to do that? Anyone? To build on what they've done. Any any other comments? Okay, and so so they 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 already know about some of the the issues that are coming into their class. Is that that what you're saying? I, I'm sorry, I missed the first part. We we had, we had to we had to tune you up a little bit. Now, what grade level do you teach, Sandra? Right now, I'm at the community college. That's right. That's right. Did you ever meet with other teachers about your students? Okay, well, what about you, Rob? Do you do that too? Um, that's what our middle school philosophy is based on, is the concept of teaming. So I work on an instructional team, like a social studies teacher, a language arts teacher, um, a math teacher, a communications teacher, and then myself. So we meet um, three times a week to deal with just this kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. um, we also um, meet sometimes with the sixth graders and seventh grade teachers of our curricular area, six, seven, you know, all six, seven, eight. Uh, science departments and talk about students too. And how often do you meet? Um, with those, we probably usually only meet about four or five times a year, mm -hmm. just because. But you do it un informally too. Whenever you're around, you know, making copies or whatever, you sure. see that seventh grade teacher say, "Hey, what about this kid last year?" But me personally, sometimes I don't, I don't always take a whole lot of grain, uh, you know, a whole lot of importance out of conversations like that, just because a kid could be just terrible in someone else's class, but because of Way I do think maybe they're great in my class, so I kind of want to give them a fresh start sometimes when they come into my room, um, especially the chronic uh, underachieving poor kids behavior-wise. Right. So. Okay. What about you, Yami? Do you ever, when you're back in your country, did you do much as far as meeting with other teachers? Yeah. When I was in my country, we met like uh, twice a month between the English teacher, teacher of English and another department. Uh-huh. Did you talk about students or did you talk about curriculum? Uh, both. Uh-huh. Sometimes we talk about the students, we talk about the curriculum development, and including about the uh, developing instructional materials. Hmm, okay. So, uh, it depends on the 
topic that we want to talk about. So for example, this month we talk about the curriculum, probably next month we talk about the uh, instructional materials, uh -huh. and next two months probably we talk about the students for the poll. Okay. I see. Okay, so um, and have, have you ever had an experience where teachers were talking about you? <laughs> no. I've heard of just what people have talked about. I know some teachers have said that they don't even want to look at, especially the first few weeks of school, that they won't even look at the portfolio of their students because they want to make sure they give them that fresh start and not kind of look at what people have said in the past. But in my level two class now, I'm working with a fifth grade teacher, and she said, you know, I don't know how often she meets with people, but she said that she's noticed some of the skill levels that her kids have, if she would have known at the beginning of the year, it would have made life, life a little bit easier for her because she's had to totally revamp her curriculum because they're not at the level and she's kind of been wondering what's been going on in lower grades and what they've been like. Yeah. So, so if she had met with the fourth graders and they had an opportunity to discuss these sorts of things, it wouldn't have been quite as much of a surprise. I don't think so. And she could have spent some time preparing over the summer to get ready for the fifth graders. Well, I have to tell you that we talk about all of you. That in um, in our ed educational or instructional technology meetings, that we specifically uh, master students, but we also talk about we, we talk about undergraduates too sometimes. But what we do is we really at the beginning when when you first start the program. In fact, you're you're just now starting the program, Rob, and we're going to be writing up a, a little yellow slip on you. I think after it's I think it's after ten weeks. And we sit down and write up a, a little yellow slip on you about how well you're doing in class and give that to your advisor. Who's your advisor? You don't know yet, huh? Dr. Herring. Uh, Dr. Herring? Okay. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> well, well, we'll, we'll find out. And so what will happen is that will go to your advisor. And then what we do is we actually sit around and talk about problems or, or good things that are happening. And that way we get a lot of feedback. And so, I mean, it isn't just something where we're isolated because we, we meet a lot. Oh, gosh, do we meet a lot. And I, it's really an important thing to do. So when we talk about student achievement, it's important, you know, like in this portfolio, to identify student achievement because, you know, we're working. The, the whole reason we do this school thing is for you to succeed. And it's for you to succeed. It's for your students to succeed. And the key for, is to, for everyone to have the shared vision so they all know where they're going and what they're going to be doing. And we have to know what we expect students to know and, and, and be able to do, and those are the shared standards and, and goals and objectives and such and outcomes. And the important thing is to set up a continuum that, that makes sense. And you want to make it so that the students make, it makes sense to the students as well. When we have a portfolio, when it's a published document, when it's something that's just part of the culture, then it's something everyone can deal with. And here, um, this is an interesting one. Joel Barker says that vision without action is merely a dream. Action without vision just passes the time. And vision with action can change the world. Does anybody here have any things that, you know, that, that they relate to when they, when they see this? But so you've got that goal, and then, but you've got the vision, so you know where you're going, right? Exactly. 
Okay, and you're actually putting the action into it. I know, have any of you ever invented something in your head and then you thought about it and then, you know, a year later you saw it on TV that somebody had just come out with it? Anybody ever do that? Yeah. That happens to me all the time. How about you, Sandy? Has that ever happened to you? Hang on, did I turn you down too low? Did, did I turn you down too low? Can you hear me now? I can hear you now. Uh, any, any special thing that you invented? I was just thinking on, as I was walking to school today about how back in the 80s, I was thinking, I don't know, have any of you ever heard of Logo, the software Logo? The whole idea of Logo is that it's le learning mathematics by exploring. And I remember back in the 80s, I was thinking, wouldn't it be great if we had a talking word processor so that when you, make, when you, when you type things up, that the, you know, it'd be almost like exploring mathematics, but you'd be exploring the, the, the world of, of verbiage. And you know, I had all these ideas in my head, and I thought, yeah, I'll have to do that someday. Well, they've already done that. You know, and it's just, there are a lot of things like that that keep running through my head that I never quite get around to creating. So what that is, is that's just a dream, I guess. So we move on to quality planning. Quality planning, the idea is that we have um, the mission, the vision, the goals, and then we've got action to actually make this sort of stuff happen. Um, the key is that when you have all the data, you can do the quality planning, and the real nice thing is that you can take all that and you can, you can have a budget that matches what you want to have happen, and it, it, it makes things uh, quite a bit more effective. Uh, Casey Stingle said it's easy to get the players. Getting them to play together, that's the hard part. And that's pretty, pretty much true. I, I kind of like, you see all those photographs on, on the previous screen where they've got all the teachers. It looks like they're probably having a data meeting or something like that. That's a student in the back, an Ed Media student who's finishing up his, uh, his Empower project. And I feel real sorry for those guys. So I told him as long as he didn't ask me any Empower, pro any, in, Empower questions and he didn't make any noise, then he could stay here and continue. I don't want to take over the whole place for only four of us. Five of us, sorry, Sandy. We gotta move her up one more. There we go. Hold it, hold it. There we go. There we go. So we talk about professional development. Oh, that guy's got a great voice. We've got to turn him down just a little bit. And um, we we talk about professional develop development, and that includes everybody on the staff. And the, um, you work together to implement the vision, and you try to figure out how to get the, the planning done. You know, and, and it's, it's actually, I, I just had somebody contact me today. This person just started a new position. And she said, well, you know, I'd really like to have you come in and do some workshops. What are some things you want to do workshops on? And I sent her a note back, you know, and I said, well, you know, these, you, you know, these are the, my specialties and the things that I like to talk about. But please, don't just do it because I'm a friend. I mean, make sure it's something that fits into the data. I, I used all the, the, the D cubed M uh, stuff, you know, the DDDM, saying make sure that it's based upon data and that you're actually, and she said that she walked into this job where she's in charge of a whole lot of things that are happening in schools. And she says, don't worry about it. This whole place is data driven. And so what I'm, I'm looking at is what are, the, what are our needs? And then I'm going out to find out who are the people who can supply them. And so it was kind of nice to see that's actually happening in the schools. 
Tom Peters says an essential factor in leadership is the capacity to influence and organize meaning for the members of the organization. And that's pretty much what we're talking about when we talk about putting this portfolio together. Because what it does is it helps organize what we need. Um, we're going to be organizing every, um, everybody in, in developing and implementing the vision. Um, we talk about structure. And remember the key is to align with your vision. And it identifies the roles and responsibilities. And of course then you don't have to spend as much time on meetings because you know what you're doing rather than everybody sitting around saying, yeah, so what are we going to talk about this week? Jared Jacobs says, the key to effective partnerships is both parties must contribute and both parties must benefit. That's true. As adults, when, when we get together and we're learning things and stuff like that, the first question we say is, what am I going to get out of this? And so what we want to do is get people, we were talking about getting the, all the stakeholders together when we talk about developing partnerships. We talk about parents, communities, business, but the partnerships between the, the students and the teachers and, the, and the, um, uh, the administrators is just as important. And so we want to make sure that we're, we're setting it up so that these are well planned and we have outcomes and that you have a beginning, a middle, and an end. So you, it isn't just something that's ongoing. You can say this is what we've accomplished in this period of time. But you know, this is a con an ongoing process. It's continuous. And teams and tools, I don't, I don't know who teams and tools is. They say that the continuous improvement causes us to think about upstream process improvement, not downstream damage control. As a technology coordinator, I found that one of the biggest problems I had, that I was more of a technology janitor because I could never get ahead of fixing things. Finally, what I did is I started making some decisions where what we did is we planned ahead we said that all computers that are this, this level of um, quality or below, or this level of power, you know, that it's a, it's a Pentium 3 and, and it has a certain amount of memory and things like that, if it breaks, we throw it out, we replace it. And what that does is that made it so that our, our ability to keep things going was much easier because, you know, we, we weren't trying to hold things together with band-aids and, and bailing wire. And so the key is that if you, if you really look ahead and you plan ahead and you use the data and things like that to identify what the situation really is, then what you're going to be doing is you'll be doing upstream process improvement instead of downstream damage control. And it's all about systems. And remember, when we talk about a systems, when we talk about systems thinking, we haven't gotten into that really, and I, I don't know that we'll, we'll develop into it too much. That's, that's more of an... Um, uh, coordinating technology in the educational setting. That's uh, a, another class where we talk about systems. But the whole idea is that everything you do affects everything else. And if you take a look at those four areas of measurement, they all are very inter, inter, um, interlinked. And so this is the basis. We talk about the guiding principles in the center. We talk about planning, implementing, evaluating, and improving. And this is an ongoing process. It, it goes around and around and around because what we do is we come up with a plan and then we implement that plan. And then after we've implemented the plan, we evaluate it to see how it's going. And then once we've evaluated it, we figure out ways that we want to improve it. And then we do that with a plan and then we continue with this. And what that will also do is modify some of, we want to use our guiding principles to start us out. But most importantly, we, uh, we can always change those as well. Now, this is something that's actually on page 30. You might want to open up your book to page 30. 
And this is, got to get the old glasses on. And this is something where we're, it's actually, it's the school improvement planning via the school portfolio. And the first question that they ask when you're doing that is, who are we? Who are we? That's a question we have to look at. That's our, um, our demographics. The second one is, how do we do business? And that's the big question about school processes. And the third question is, where are we now? So this is where we're trying to figure out our, our, where we stand at this moment. Who are we? How do we do business? And where are we now? Now that's, that's the information and analysis. Okay, the question is, how, how do we do business? And you're, you, what are you saying? It's the same as what? What we want to do. What do we want to do? Are those two questions the same? Now, you're, you're saying that you think that they are. How do we do business and what, what do we want to do? Um, do you all agree? You're saying, what do we want to do, and how do we do business? How do we do business is an assessment of what we're doing now. What do we want to do is a vision for the future. So I don't, th I don't think they're, they're the same. They, you actually do have a, a difference between the two of them. Now, what we've done with those first three questions is we've identified where we are at this time. The next question is, where are we going to go? And, or, uh, if you take a look on the left-hand side, it's talking about the demographics, the perceptions, and, and the results. On the right-hand side of this, it talks about student achievement. And that has to do, how do we do business? I mean, what values and benefits do we expect people to have? Uh, we go down to, why do we exist? That's our purpose and mission. And then, where, are we, uh, where do we want to be? So what we've done is, up here we've said, how do we do business? This says what we are. This is... What is our vision? Where do we want to go? And the next question is, how do we get there? And it says, um, what are the gaps? Gap analysis is important. Who can define gap analysis to me or for me? Anybody know? Can you help us, Yami? What's gap analysis? Like, I, I, I'm talking about my, my experience in my country. Okay. Uh, my expectation is I want to make the teacher of English in high school understand how to uh, create constructive con constructive classroom in the uh, in the classroom. Okay. I want ninety five percent of them understand how to create. The constructivist classroom. Okay. But in reality, only 60% of the teachers understand well about uh, constructivism. Mm -hmm. 
You, you think so, 60% of your teachers understand constructivism? Yes. Okay. So there is a gap between my expectation and the actual condition that happened. So the gap is a need. So the need is I would like to increase 30, 35 persons to reach 95 persons. Okay. So it's percent, right? 95%? Yes. Okay. Unless you have 100 people, right? Yes. Okay. And so what you're saying, that's exactly it. Where are we now? Where do we want to go? And the gap analysis is what, what's in between? And how do we make that happen? Um, below that, we talk about how can we get to where we want to be? That's part of that gap analysis. And how will we implement it? And then, of course, the key when the whole thing's done is how do we evaluate our, our, our work? So this is a process, and, and this process also, it, it isn't just a start here and get to the end. It's an ongoing process, which is a real important one for us to think about. I'll tell you what, let's take a 15-minute break, okay? Right now it's uh, 7.13. We'll see you back here about 7.30. Or do you, I'll tell you what, let's make it a 10-minute break. Then we can, you can go out earlier, okay? So I'll see you back at 10, 7.25. Talk to you a little bit, Sandra. Oh, she left already. Okay. Say hi to your son for us. Say hi to your son for us. Bye. Okay, that means we can unplug that. <laughs> Everybody's jumping up and going. Okay, and we're back here after our break, and what we're going to do is I'd like you to open up your book to pages 36 and 30, 34 through 36. And you'll remember that last time when we did this, everybody's putting the glasses on and stuff like that. Last time when we did this, um, you, you notice this table format. What I'd like you to do is uh, we don't have enough people to have teams. Well, actually, what we could do. I'll team up with you, Kelly. And so what we'd like to do is, if you take a look in this, in this um, chart, what it does, it talks about who are we. Remember, we were talking about those different levels that are parts of the study questions. And so what we want to do is begin by who are we, and then it says what data do you have or need to answer the question. So we talk about who are we. What, what, this one says that um, the data that you need is student enrollment by grade, by gender, by ethnicity, by free and reduced lunch status for five years. So this is definitely uh, a longitudinal situation, right? And then also the number of teachers, because they're talking about the students and the teachers. The number of teachers, number of years teaching it by what grade levels and or subjects they teach, what credentials they hold. Is there, can you think of anything else you might put in there? If you want to know who are we? What are some other things you want to learn about? I'll just wait till somebody comes up with an answer. That's about students, right? Yeah. Now here we've talked about students. Here we've talked about teachers. 
Who else would we include when we talk about who are we? What do you think, Kelly? Paul says who's the community. Who's the community? Okay. That's an important one. So what, what kind of community do we live in? What's the socioeconomic status? You know, are they rich, poor, are they rural, are they urban, that sort of thing. And then what else? Can you think of anything else we might put in that? Well, the, the, we're, an, we're answering the question, who are we? And so you're saying organization? Mm -hmm. And how does that fit? Yeah, I think uh, it's the same as community, I think. Okay. So, uh, what about the administrators? administrators. We have, we, they're not in here, are they? Or staff. We have staff as well. So we have administrators and staff. I mean, there's a lot of people that we need to look at here. And then they talk about what kind of data do you gather? Well, we have information about predicted community changes. Um, administrative, administrator information, such as number of years and such. Um, so what I want you to do is go through here, and I want you to identify what, what is some other additional information that's beyond what you see in here, and sit down and discuss it, and try to find out what are the other things we want to find, okay? I'm going to turn off the podcast again until we come back. You don't want to listen to a lot of dead air. Okay, well, we've had an opportunity to study the study questions on pages 34, 35, and 36. And so what'd you come up with? You're, you're right. Some of these were kind of difficult because they already took all the good answers, didn't they? So I'll tell you what. Why don't we do this? Um, we'll have it so that uh, I will identify one of the questions, and then we'll just kind of trade back and forth as to what, what you came up with, okay? And let's start about uh, how do we... How do we do business? Now here they're talking about perceptions and by the different people, the different stakeholders, and also this education for the future connect, continuous improvement consortiums assessment. Now you may wonder what that is. That's actually something she developed. And so there, there's a whole process. One of the things we're going to be running into in this class is this, is this book actually, it turns out, is set up for workshops, or one of the things that she uses it for is workshops for faculty. And there's a lot of data that, they, that she has stuff that people put in. And so um, I'm trying to figure out how we're going to deal with that because we don't have that kind of data to put in. And so we're, well, you've got the data. If you want, if you, can you supply us with data? I mean, uh, I need copies of youth surveys or the results from youth surveys. I need, um, okay. I'll tell you what, uh, if you could help us out, I will, because um, I... Tell me what type of, I mean, what type of data you Oh, you'll see it. In fact, next week you'll <laughs> see it, okay? In fact, next, uh, what, what's going to happen, in fact, in a few minutes, what we're going to do is we're going to take a look at Chapter 4. I know nobody read it, and that's one of the reasons we're going to take a look at Chapter 4, because I want you to take a look at the da data and see what kind of stuff they have there. And we could use this data, or we could, if you want to bring in data from your school district X, then we... Huh? We won't say anything about that, but then we, we could actually take that and we could evaluate it, if you, if you can find that data. And interestingly enough, there's actually a spreadsheet that is on, uh, on, on your CD, and it's a spreadsheet, that, it's a worksheet that has multiple um, aspects to it. And that's the kind of data that we could put into there, and we could, we could analyze it, just have a good old time with real data. Okay, so we talk about how do, how are we, how do we do business? So we have those two. I'll tell you what, um, Kelly, yeah. 
what, what's a way in which we could we could analyze how we do business? What's what's the kind of data that we would look for? You wrote them down, didn't you? Not that one, because we moved on to the next one. Ah, okay. Then we talked about like what programs we have now. What programs we have? Okay, that'd be good. What's another thing that you came up with? Um, what we focus on. I mean, some districts have a focus on certain areas, like maybe behavior or academics or self-esteem self development or or different full like educational philosophies. Okay, but where do you find that data about how you do business? Well, I mean, from those programs that you have. I mean, oh, by looking at your at your programs and, and the stuff that's behind it. Yeah. So, like, we did this climb theater, which was all about bully proofing um, our school. Mm -hmm. So maybe we could look at data about you know, there's a teacher survey there that they gave. Um, maybe we look at the number of kids who participated in it. Or but does that talk about how you do business? It could. Well, kinda. I yeah. mean. Yeah, I think so. Okay. See, you're defending against me. That's good. <laughs> I don't. We, we don't want people to crumble, right? And so, okay. How about how about? Can you think of another thing that, that we might use? How about a policies and procedures handbook? That was it. Was there we go. If you take a look at the, if you go to your school board, uh, they all have policies and procedures. Things that, that are, you're expected to know what to do. If a certain situation comes up, the whole idea of a policy is that we've already had this problem and this is how we deal with it. That's something that talks about how we do business, right? Okay, let's go down to the next one. Where we are now. This says student achievement results, process data. What other things would fit in there? We had full well, student achievement, which is our but also like demographics, like what type of students we have in our school. What kind of students? So demographics is good. Okay, what's in it? What did you guys come up with? Um, like state assessment test or test result. Okay. District standard and benchmark. District standards assessment. and benchmark. Now, how do standards and benchmarks tell us where we are now? Like, do the students uh, meet this the standard and benchmark? Or? Ah, okay. So it has to do with how the students are achieving those standards and mm -hmm. benchmarks, right? Mm -hmm. What percentage are doing those? Now, the interesting I, something just dawned on me that the standards and benchmarks themselves would tell us how we do business, wouldn't they? Yeah. Once again, those are going to be identifying things that that, that we hold dear. Just the, just the fact that you have identified standards and benchmarks. Right? We're hoping that in 20 years that will everybody. just be standard and everybody will have that. Or maybe that'll just be another time. <laughs> you know, they talk about the 20-year pendulum in education. Okay, and then we talk about why do we exist. What did you guys come up with? Just one. Develop lifelong learners. Okay. That was hard. <laughs> but the question is, I mean, that, that's, that's a statement. And the question is, what data do you, where do you go to find out why we exist? Now here it's saying the mission statement yeah, and the purpose of the school. Do you have anything else? Oh. How about you, Callie? Did you find anything? We said what other people think about school. So perceptions of what other people feel yes. about why we exist. 
Okay, there's another another resource, right? Uh, community or the society's perception. Okay. Because, you know, if you think about it, if people don't think we should exist, we won't exist. You know, in fact, some of the schools, like over in Waterloo, they were going to rip down some schools. But the thing was that they'd been around in that neighborhood for so long that these, they didn't let them do it. How about, sorry, go, go, go ahead. ahead. Uh, I think uh, including the school program, uh, what, what should the school do for uh, making the students have a, a good result so that the community can um, support the school. But is that is that why we exist? I mean, is yeah, that? I think, uh, but how do how do we know? Program. Pardon? School program. But are the school programs? Does that tell us why we exist? I mean, that, that's what we do when we do exist, but does that, does that tell us why we exist? How does school involve all stakeholders? But isn't that how? You just used the word how, you didn't use why. Participation, involvement. Okay. Look, that might work. What about college interest rate? I mean, we, we exist to prepare students for college. I mean, that would be something you collect data on. Okay, but the question is, I mean, I guess, I mean, um, the, the, this really, the question is, why do we exist? It isn't what, you know, I mean, we could say that one of the things that we do is we exist because we've got all these students who want to become college, you know, we, we're, we're a college preparatory school. And we are a preparatory school because we have all these kids that want to go to college. But that would be based upon demographics, perhaps. The, you know, the interesting thing about these, the interesting thing about these, in fact, Callie and I were, were discussing that, that there's, there's a big piece that she forgot in here, isn't there? Yes. Yeah, I mean, what this is is simply something to get you thinking, right? And so it, it could... Your ideas could, could be good, but it's important for us to make, you know, when we're, when we're laying this out, that we want to look at what it, each of these means, and just the discussion itself is the important thing. And people can always argue about whether, it, whether certain things should be where they, they are. Okay, where do we want to be? Now, this says vision and goals. Anything else? All objectives. Objectives? Lesson plan. Lesson plans? Okay. Standard data that shows progress. Okay. With uh, standard. Okay. And the, 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 let's make that enough so Kelly can have some answers oh. too. Okay. <laughs> you don't want to be a hog, do you? Okay. Just because you're in Iowa doesn't mean you have to be a hog. You know that. Okay. Yeah, Kelly. Okay. What's another one? Um, Any more? We talked about perceptions again, and like how people in the community perceive the school, and like. Parents, they want to have a good community to send their, like a good school district to send their kids to, and, and kids, you know, like a school wants to feel that, you know, kids are going to feel safe in the school district and stuff, and as well as teachers, you know, want to. 
So where we want to be, part of it has to do with perceptions. Where, where does the teacher want to be? Where do the kids want to be? Where the parents want to be? That sort of thing. Do you guys have anything else you want to add? Um, maybe where the state wants us to be. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Okay, where the state want, what are the, your requirements? That's a good one. Okay, what are the gaps and what are the root causes? Did you guys find any more? I don't think we found any, huh? Well, I mean, we just said we found subcategories of the questions they already have. Like? Like characteristics of students not meeting proficiency. Well, we talked about what the gender was and family situation. Okay. Prior school experience. But that all fits into that, that all, broader schedule. Yeah. yeah. So we, I think we just skipped over that, didn't we? Yeah, we did. Okay. Oh, so what we had the most for, y'all. The whole list there. That's kind of cheating. You went further. No, we just elaborated. Well, well, we'll move on. How can we get to where we want to be? Okay, interventions, professional learning activities, timeline. Funding support. Funding support, okay. What would you come up with? We didn't really talk about any Yeah, we did. We talked about interventions and like... Was we we talked about a plan. You can work in the back as long as you're quiet. And I don't answer any questions about Empower. <laughs> I know, I'm not Just remember that. <laughs> Okay. When we talked about programs. We talked about 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 the plan, uh, uh, an implementation plan, right? Which included a timeline. Yeah. Okay. How how? Well, actually, that <laughs> might fit into <laughs> the next one. Like, yeah, you're right. Okay. How will we implement this? Would you guys come up with an implementation? Um. Create like different workshops. Okay. Make a, a schedule that provides time to meet with your coworkers to discuss these things. Okay. I'll reach it on the Maybe try to make connections. Um, like one of our goals, or one of the things we talked about was early childhood education. So maybe try to make connections with uh, child care providers in your town that you live in. Okay. And w w what'd you come up with, Kelly? We didn't talk about anything there? We just went through like what each of those were. Yeah. We didn't really talk like Okay, well we skipped on that one, yeah. Okay, and then the last one says, how will we evaluate our efforts? Rethinking our results data, monitoring and reevaluating the plan, understanding the effectiveness of strategies already in place. Callie, please tell us about the wonderful realization that you had. Well, if you're going to evaluate something, you have to have something to evaluate. And so I thought that we're missing a step where we don't have any assessment to grade, to look at what we've done. And so therefore, how can we evaluate and analyze something that we haven't assessed yet? And so we're missing a whole assessment step. Then we can go back and look at what we've done. Good point, huh? Okay. And you guys have, what else did you guys come up with? Surveys, surveys, and surveys. Lots of <laughs> surveys, okay. We also said, you said, making sure that you have time to do yeah. it. Like the last one, understanding the effectiveness of the strategies already in place. Right. Time, time is really the key in all of this, isn't it? And it, it's showing the importance of it. Uh, they talk about <coughs> teachers having data planning days, you know, the three or four of them a, a year, so they can get together and talk about it. What's wrong? No, I don't, I don't see that happening. <laughs> 
Well, I mean, uh, I so. like nice. I said, I've got this, this podcast, I've got to set it up. I have to figure out how to direct to it. But i got to tell you, this is really a good podcast. This guy is talking about all this great uh, data-driven decision-making stuff, and he, he's doing it from a, a school. Or, no, actually, he's a professor, but he's working with a school that's doing it. And so it's, it's pretty cool. Okay, so we've gone through this. And I'll tell you what. The next thing I want us to do is, if we go into uh, chapter four. Chapter four is talking about a school district, and this school district is the Big River High School District. And I'm going to just—I just, just want to set on—I'm on, on page forty-one. It says Big River High. I'm, I'm sorry. We got the school, high school, and the school district, and. Um, they're talking about Big River High School is located in a metropolitan city on the west coast. The population of the city was a little less than 900,000 in the 2000 census. The median age of the residents at that time was 32.6 years. This city has approximately 276,000 households with an average income of $70,000 per year. The unemployment rate in 2000 was 2.9. As the economy experienced a downturn, so did the employment rate in this city. By 2003, the unemployment rate was 7%. West Coast, I'm guessing it's something that was big in technology. What do you think? Okay. So we're talking about the industry and that 67% of the workforce has college education. 48% have earned college degrees. Oh, some college education. This city has the lowest crime rate of any U.S. city with a population of 500,000 or more. Um, Big River High School is part of the, the Ridgeview School District, which currently serves 30,000 um, students and in 42 schools. So in other words, we've got Big River High School, and it's part of this huge school district with uh, 30,000 students with 42 schools. That's about right. I, I used to work in Montebello Unified School District. We had 30,000 students. We had, well, we had 17 elementary schools. We had four middle schools and three high schools. So that's 24. Okay. Um, the overall district enrollment has decreased 433 students over the past six years. So that's 160th about. And so this goes through and talks about who they are. Now here's the deal. Next week, what we're going to be doing is we're going to be looking at this data. And we're going to, I'm going to have you review it. And one of the, you're going to have to re read this this week. But what I want you to do is I want you as a threesome, or individually uh, what I want you to do is I want you to, to, to review this data. You can just look at the graphs if you want. But I want you to spend 10 minutes getting to know this data. And then get back together and start talking about the characteristics of this high school. Because this is all developed for a high school. This book actually comes out in three different versions. You've got elementary, middle school, and high school. And I must admit that as we go through this book, I would really like to get some feedback from you about what level we should probably use. I actually found that there was one of the students in um, my, that who was going to take this class she went to the bookstore, she saw it was a high school book, and then she decided not to take the class because she's doing elementary education. 
And so, you know, it, it's, it's an interesting question as to what level we should do. Maybe next time I'll do middle school because <laughs> I think it's probably the same book. All they're doing is putting different data in there. So I want you to spend the next 10 minutes going through and learning about this school. Okay? We'll sign off for a little while. Okay, we're back on. I'm, I, I forgot to, we, we've been discussing the, um, uh, the different results that we had after looking at, at all the, the stats in Chapter uh, 4. Unfortunately, I didn't turn us on, so I'm, I'm just going to continue with this. Uh, we're actually on page 43, and we, we, so far we've found that there's been some uh, changes you mean, in, in racial structure. Um, actually, on page 42, that shows some of that, that it... What it actually showed was we, there's been a 5% increase in Hispanic Latino, 5% decrease in white, and um, the Asians and blacks have stayed pretty much the same. We also found out that the numbers there don't necessarily match. <laughs> they don't necessarily add up to 100. But if you take a look at page 43, this has some interesting stuff. Because take a look at, ac across the bottom, it shows that the numbers are dropping. It goes, uh, in 1998 to 99, there's 31,374. And it kind of stays about the same. It drops a little bit, drops a little bit more, drops a little bit more. Then it goes back up, and then it drops again. Now, take a look at the preschool. Notice the preschool is increasing year after year. Now, I don't... Well, you're only talking about one, one or two, but 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 actually, if you, you're talking about one, 1998 to 2003, 2004, it increased 27 students, whereas the rest of it's decreasing. And when you're reading this, and you want to take a look at at the same students over a period of time, take a look down there in grade 12, 2003, 2004. That's 1892, right? Now, go up, a, go up one and go over to the left one, because these are the, the same students in 11th grade the year before. And then go up one and over one, and these are the same students in, in 10th grade, up and over, 9th grade. And what you want to do is, if you want to follow a class, that's how you do it on a chart like this. And it can really give you some insight. Actually, it went from 2,300 to 2,200. And actually, they dropped, what, 120 there. And then they dropped another 10, um, 15 or so. And then they got another 30 back, or 20-something back. And then they dropped 200. And then they dropped uh, 100 and some. So that, that class has really been dropping in size. That's one of the things you want to take a look at. They, I, I didn't see anything in here on actual academic performance. Did you see that? And well, yes. Number of gate students by grade level. <coughs> oh yeah, it's gifted and talented education. That's what they call it in in. in where, where's gate? What page? Um, Fifty nine. Yeah, that's what they call it in California. Is gifted and talented. And so. You start out with 73, and then they also have 73 the year before, and then the year before they, they had 76, and then the year before that they had 90. 
So, I'm sorry, 78. So the, the number of kids, the, the, the class of 2003-2004, the number of gifted and talented students stayed pretty much the same, didn't it? And if you take a look at the next one, which is um, the, the light gray one, it went from 83 to 80 to 76, I'm, I'm sorry, 80 to 83 to 89, right. So these can be really, really deceptive, can't they? Now, if you wanted to rearrange this graph so it could tell you about each of the groups of students, how would you do it? Okay, so you're saying that we'd, we'd break them off and, and put them in the grades so they go up in chronological years. Right. So what you would do is you'd take it so that, let's see. Well, you'd want to make it so it's the same students going through. Of course, how you, make the, how you tell it to, to read that out of a chart is a difficult thing to do, isn't it? Yeah. I don't see how you would do that. I'm sure that there's a way. And I'll throw out this challenge to see if any of you can figure that one out. Okay, now next week what we're going to do, um, if you finished F, you started going to something called a pivot ta table. And pivot tables are incredibly powerful. A pivot table can take 11, you know those 11,000 uh, scores that we had uh, two weeks ago? They could take that and turn it into a little chart this big. And all you have to do is just drag a couple things, and it's all there. Um, next week, I'm, we're going to be talking about pivot tables and how to use Excel. And I will um, I have some instructions for you on that. Uh, another thing is, I'm, I'm hoping, like I said, I, I'll, I'm, if you're interested, you guys interested in listening to this podcast that I found about data-driven? i got to tell you that the guy... Um, who, who does this uh, up in, in Minnesota, I guess what they've been doing is they've been creating pivot tables for teachers. And I sent them a note and I said, hey, could you send me one? I'd love to show my students about how your pivot tables work. So he sent me one. And so what we'll do next week is we will work on that and see how that works and, um, and just see what the capabilities of pivot tables are because what they can do and, and then how that also fits into um, uh, databases. You know, because like I said, we, we you did some databases here with F. Now uh, the the exercises on F. Now, one of the other things is that when we start working for uh, Mr. Henning or Dr. Henning, it's, it looked like a lot of the stuff that he wants, the information he wants, could probably be done with pivot tables, depending on how we organize the information. So, for next week, uh, we're looking at. Let's see, let me open up the syllabus so we can see what the assignments are. I believe you're going to be reading Chapter 4, which you've already had a chance to absorb some of it. And then you're also going to be doing um, Unit G. Now I have to post that, and I will do that in the next couple days, I promise. And we'll have that all set so you can work on that. And I think that's probably about it. Any questions? Okay. Well, thank you very much, and have a safe drive home.